Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. My name is Meredith, and I will be your humble host. Serving Love is an exploration around some of the paths to show up and live as love and to be of service to something greater than ourselves. We will dive deep into topics such as sacred sex, God, goddess, spirituality, and an array of modalities in the world of personal growth. I feel so honored to have the privilege to share with you here. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. Today on the show, we have Erin Eber, who is a dear friend of mine. Hi, Erin. Hi, Meredith. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to be that you're here with me, too. And um, yeah, Erin and I met, I think, 2019 in Burning Man. Yeah. Yeah. The year before the pandemic, we met at Burning Man. We didn't really even connect that much there. And then it was like it planted a seed and then we connected after and it's been a mm-hmm. really sweet friendship since then. So I'm just so excited to have you here. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I feel like we really dropped in in New York. I mm-hmm. feel like that was our time when we we got to actually really connect and get to know each other which I think always happens. I feel like Burning Man is always these seeds that start and then you truly get to know people when you see them outside of Burning Man. It's funny how it just doesn't end in that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I'm really excited to have you here because Erin is up to some really interesting things in the world. So Ooh. I'm excited for her to tell us about that. And I think... For me, one of the most interesting things is your toning and like what a special gift that is. And Mm -hmm. so Erin has offered to start us off with a little tone to set the mood for our show today. (laughs) Tell us about it because I'm sure everybody's going to be like, what the hell is that? (laughs) For sure. Yeah. The first time people, the first time people hear it, they're like, what's going on here? Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I I really like to start any conversation with a toning sound. So we will definitely talk more about what it is and where it comes from and why I do it afterwards. But for now, I think all you really have to know is that we're just using sound frequency to center us all into the space. And so for anyone listening And for me and Meredith, it just kind of brings us all together into this time that we're spending together and invites through whatever wants to come through for the highest interest of everybody listening and for us as well. So I love it. What a special treat. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Here we go. All right. So if you're listening, I invite you to just close your eyes and receive for just these next couple of moments. And I ask that whatever's in the highest alignment for this time that Meredith and I get to connect and all of you get to be in this sacred ceremony of connection with us comes through for you. Whatever it is that you need right now in this moment, whatever will serve you the most, support you the most, whatever is available for you right now comes through on these sound waves 
as you just allow these sounds to wash through you and allow them to settle into your system for one moment after. And we invite this through now. through your system. You'll probably feel the lingering effects for a minute or two. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes, mm. feeling the subtle shifts that have occurred from before to now. <laughs> mm. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh my God. So good. I always, for me, when I experience your, your toning adopt for in my body, I often feels like it's kind of like, um, kind of like, like gently kind of like, like washing away debris. Mm. Yeah. And for a second, it almost feels a little uncomfortable. And then mm -hmm. when I let myself like <sighs> breathe into it and feel my system settle, um, like there's more peace, more ease, feel a little more grounded. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to talk about it because it can actually bring up feelings of extreme discomfort for people. And, you know, if I'm doing something that's more involved, I usually warn people ahead of time. Like you mm -hmm. might feel really uncomfortable at first. You might feel even some emotions. So if you are feeling that right now, you really, it's just about letting that move because it probably just shook something out, you know? Um, but yeah, it will some, sometimes shake up what's kind of sitting there, um, especially if something is a little stuck. And usually, especially if I'm doing like a full toning, I always tell people by the end, it should feel settled. You know, it should feel like, and then you usually feel a lot better afterwards, but you know, it definitely can shake things up for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. So good. So yeah, yeah you want to tell us a little, like for the beginner mind, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about toning and like how it came through, because I think it's really interesting how, I mean, from knowing you, it is, it is something that like just came through you. You weren't like, oh, I'm going to tone. It was like, it chose you. <laughs> So I, yeah, tell us what that is like and then how it's like, what does it mean for you? And you know, how, like, how is it coming out into the world? I mean, through you. Yeah, it definitely wasn't something I ever expected to be doing for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> did not see this one coming. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> um, 
but I've been on, I guess what we could call a spiritual awakening path since I was around 18 years old. And that also was not something I expected or wanted even. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it was, it came through desperation and really feeling extremely lost and feeling extremely depressed and confused. And I ended up with a mentor at a very young age who just opened me up to all the healing things and all the alternative things, like far before there was Instagram and things were cool. And, you know, I, it was very uncool at the time. And I was doing all these things like in the closet. I was very secretively doing healing stuff. Mm. And for many years, I worked with all these incredible mentors that I got very magically led to that... I lied to everybody about things that I was doing because I learned very early on it was not accepted. Mm. You know, I would be kind of either made fun of, people thought I was weird, people thought it was like all this, you know, creepy, witchy shit that I was into. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was always like looked down upon. And so I very much like lived almost like separate lives for a long time where I had like my spiritual side and then I had like my I'm a normal person side and so actually you know what that makes like can you explain what that dissonance felt like for you because that I feel like a lot of people go through that when they're starting this they're nervous to tell people Mm -hmm. and it can it can like bring up feelings of like grief or confusion or tumescence like what did that I mean how did you handle that honestly I think that this is It's so true that so many people go through this. And for me, I mean, I didn't always handle it well, if I'm totally honest. You know, I think I had a lot of years where I wasn't living in a way that was actually true to Mm. myself. Um, And I think at least today, I think it's a little bit better. You know, like now it seems like the world is changing a bit. Um, where at least in mainstream reality, things are getting a little bit more accepted, Mm -hmm. even if like, say in your family or, you know, Mm -hmm. in other places, maybe you still feel like you can't be yourself. But I feel like finding the people that are your people that you can be yourself with, for me was like what saved me. Um, I don't know that I would have gotten through that time if I hadn't had people around me that knew who I really was, even if it wasn't like that many people, Mm. it was a very small group, but to this day, I still have those people in my life and, you know, they're the people I turn to that I really trust. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that that's super important, but I didn't always handle it well. I mean, I tried to like be in like normal land for a long time Mm -hmm. and, it was very unhealthy, you know? And so one of my missions in life is to spot when people are alternative types of humans that probably aren't accepted by the mainstream and make sure that they know that I see them. Mm. You know, that's something that I I think is very important to Mm. like, be like, Hey, I I see you and I accept you. (laughs) And I, (laughs) I know that you feel like you don't fit into the world. Yeah. So many people need that to feel seen. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. But it taught me a lot about not being judgmental and, you know, being a more overall accepting person Mm -hmm. to myself 
and to other people. So huge one acceptance. Woo. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) It's kind of everything. (laughs) Everything truly. (laughs) It really is. It really is. But I think most people on a spiritual ish path go through this in some capacity. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I interrupted, but no, not at all. I totally want to hear more about how, like how toning found you because it's just so interesting. Yeah. So I went a little, I went a little off there with the whole backstory, but essentially, (laughs) yeah, as I do, I, I'm a meanderer. (laughs) I know you and I do this for sure. We're like, okay, now we're here, now we're there. Um, Different directions. Exactly. That's okay. That's okay. I call that a creative conversation, actually. That's right. I love it. I think it's the best. Um, but yeah, in 2012, I made a big life shift and I became a nomad and I started traveling and I would say that's really when my life changed for the better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I finally kind of found worlds where I was accepted and where, you know, I wasn't totally the weird kid on the block. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was around that time that toning started to come through for me. So I had always been a singer singing had always been the thing that I felt connected me to my own truth the most. But I actually got into alternative healing because I lost my voice at a very young age and I couldn't sing almost at all for like a couple of years. And I was trying to be a vocal performance major at the time. So like that really didn't go over very well. And (laughs) that was very not a good time in my life. I was, you know, it was very challenging But I've had this lifelong journey with knowing the truth of the voice in the sense of like, our voice is so vulnerable. It's so soulful. It's so connected to our truest, purest self. Mm. And it basically, I went on this healing journey that started bringing my voice back. um, But it still was always like kind of in and out. And then when I was traveling... I started singing again, which I hadn't really been singing through most of my 20s because I'd been so sort of traumatized by that situation of not being a perfect singer anymore, which society obviously places a lot of importance on. And so I had been singing casually again and sharing with people. And I remember I was in a ceremony. I was in a cacao ceremony, actually. And the person who was leading the cacao ceremony just looked at me and goes, Aaron, make a sound. And I was like, what do you mean make a sound? And he goes, just make any sound. And this guy was very intuitive. So he was tuning into something. And I was like, okay. And I think I just made any sound. I was like, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, like everyone on this little porch I was sitting on started like having huge reactions. <laughs> like, there were like three people who suddenly had like entities coming up that needed clearing. There was somebody that was like crying hysterically next to me. Like it was like all these people were like, what is happening? I really was like, what is going on? Like I did not expect that to happen. (laughs) And I, and it just turned into like chaos, like of all these things happening. I was like, okay, I think there's something to this, you know? Um, And I'd already up to that point had some also little awarenesses of I'd done some singing in ceremony where I'd been sort of shown on an energetic level what was going on when when you sing and how, 
you bring through blessings and you distribute them to people and people feel the blessings. And so I'd already had some awareness of this, but that was like next level. And to make a long story short, I just started playing with it a lot. I realized there was something to it. And then I traveled around doing cacao ceremonies for probably about three or four years after that. And in my ceremonies, I would use tones and sounds a lot. And anytime I would notice something was stuck in someone, because I've always had this very intuitive way of feeling energy and knowing what's going on in people's energies. And so I would sense things were needed a little help or needed a little shifting. And I'd just bring a sound in and it would just do something very magical. It would just like change everything. Either it would just go away, it would shift, it would change. And it was like no effort on my part. And I'm an inherently kind of lazy person. So <laughs> anything that's like no effort, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not into heavy lifting. Like, I'm like, oh, cool. Can that just be taken care of? That's great. <laughs> I love that so much. Like, what a beautiful thing. And a reminder that you can, like, you can live in purpose in a way that is easeful. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, well, there's other things, totally. but like, this is a thing that just moves through you. And well, that was the big takeaway for me was because actually, after about three years of doing ceremonies, I stopped doing them because I started feeling like it was actually way too much energetically on me. And I hear this from a lot of healers. Um, I'm definitely an empath. I work with a lot of people who are empaths. And this is so common that empaths just feel so drained by the work that they do, even though they love doing it. And so I noticed that after ceremonies, I would need like a full day to recover. It was like energetically, it was just so much for me. And I basically took a year off and just said, you know what, I'm not going to do this work if it's going to be this hard. Like I'm, it's not, it's not supposed to be this hard. Mm -hmm. And I basically just said, I need another way. And it was about a year after that, that it really clicked into place to me that it had to be mostly around the sound because the sound did all the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And now all my work centers around the sound. And even though, you know, I do other kinds of work with it, but the sound is sort of the central focus point. And I love what I do. And it doesn't feel like work at all. Like it, it, it actually feeds me, I think, as much as it feeds the people I work with. And that's how I know it's like in alignment, you know? Totally. And so you feel like there's not so much clearing of other energies for you to do after, after a session with somebody because you're in full alignment mm -hmm. with what you're supposed to be doing. Yes. In fact, I feel like if I need to clear something after a session, it's, it's a learning curve for me. Like it means something was off yeah. and I need to, and I need to figure out what it was. And listen, um, like listen mm -hmm. to the thing. That's so, I feel like that's such a big, like, yes. Like so often we're pushing so hard and something's wrong with us. If we're feeling heavy, like it's me, I can't, you know, we put it on ourselves mm -hmm. and actually maybe it's like a symptom of a deeper, like wisdom trying to tell us that a shift needs to happen in order for like the truth of something to come through. Yep. 100%. I've, I've had it happen to me before. It doesn't happen so much anymore, but it does happen from time to time um, where I leave a session and I'm like, hmm, something's not right. And then I have to like tune in, you know, like what did I take on that I shouldn't take on? Mm -hmm. Or like, what did I get too involved with? 
energetically that I was not supposed to get involved with. And honestly, that's not just for me, that's for the people I work with too, because it's disempowering to try to take someone's stuff without, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a disempowering thing to try to fix something for someone else. And I never approach anything from that angle. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely like, I think that's a sign that you're doing something that is truly right for you when, you know, it doesn't leave you feeling super depleted. Mm-hmm. And how would you, if you do feel like you take something on, how do you clear it? Like what's, what would you do for yourself in that instance? Well, usually for me, like I was saying before, I have to see what the lesson was for me. Mm-hmm. Like usually for me, there's awareness needed around whatever it was. So like, for example, I gave someone a session recently that I am very close with. And then, so, and sometimes when you give someone a session who you're very close with, that's when things can kind of get a little funny. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that at the end of the session, I didn't feel great. And I tuned into it about an hour after, cause I went, okay, this isn't right. Like something's a little off. And I could feel that I'd just gotten too emotionally invested in that person feeling better because I was personally connected to it. And I basically just took a minute. I sent all their energy back to them. I cleared my own energy and I just said, you know, like, I know they've got this and then it shifted and it was fine. And they did actually feel a lot better, (laughs) but you know, it was like, I needed to disconnect whatever my own connection to it was. I love that. And it's a reminder that clearing it can be simple. It doesn't Mm -hmm. be some big, huge, oh my God, I took this thing on and, oh, you know, what am I going to do? And a whole ceremony around the cord cutting. It's like, you can really (laughs) sit with yourself, listen, be like, okay, this is not mine. Send it back. It it doesn't have to be some big (laughs) whoop-de-doo. Cord cutting always makes me laugh so much. I'm like, what cord? Where's the cord? Like, it's such a funny way to, to like, you know, make it more dramatic than it needs to be. <laughs> love a good bit of drama. And I will own that I am one of those humans. Sometimes I just like to make things difficult. And the truth we is, it actually gets to be a little bit easier than we think it does. I know we all do. And, and this is why I love sound, because for me, sound just does it so much easier. It's a magic sort of key. Um, And, you know, I even like help other people use sound for the same reasons. Like I, I recently did a how to channel sound for self-healing course, which was so fun. And it was helping people tune into their own way to bring through sound and frequency to do things easier because sound is just so freaking magical. Well, yeah. And it is also amazing. I, I love this when healers, teachers really um, inspire and empower the people they work with to be their own healer. Like you don't need your clients to come back to you forever. You know, it's like, (laughs) like, it's like not the point, you know, it's like, sure, you know, work with you for a while and then come back for tune-ups. But I, I love it when people are like, well, no, you're your own best healer. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I used to only offer one-off sessions because of that. Um, because I really wanted to like encourage people, like almost like not to rely on me or, or get to, but it was funny. I had to develop a program because I had so many people coming back for like one-off sessions. And finally I was like, okay, this would be better actually if we just put it into like a, a program, (laughs) you know, because 
Because I do know the importance also of getting ongoing support as long as the support is done in an empowering way. Like I've had plenty of people that I've gotten years of support from, Mm -hmm. but it's because they do it in a way where it doesn't take any power away from me. It's just kind of supporting me in whatever my process is. So that's kind of how I approach it. Love it. And you said just a few minutes ago that you sometimes bring other things into your healing. You want to tell Mm -hmm. us what some of those other things are? (laughs) Sure. Well, we were already talking about human design, which I I also use. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny. I, I just thought of human design when I said to you, like, it shouldn't feel draining. And then I was about to say, Although the experience is a little different for projectors and reflectors and manifestors. (laughs) So, you know, this is when human design becomes something that I think is so helpful. Um, Truly. Yeah. Um, So in case people don't know what human design is, because I know not everybody is aware of it, but um, human design is kind of like the I Ching and astrology and the chakra system had a love child and created never heard it explained that way (laughs) it's totally what it is it's hysterical yeah it's basically the I Ching like put into a more set up system involving astrology and you know body layout um but it's a system that helps us understand our auric fields and it helps us understand our energy bodies and I am actually quite allergic to systems a lot of the time. Like I have sort of this Aries attitude of like, don't tell me who I am. Like (laughs) preaching to the choir over here with your other Aries sister. (laughs) Completely. Everybody fuck off. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Don't tell me what I am. Mm, Like I get very like, no, Um, which is hysterical because that's in my human design chart as well. Like I have a full, I have a full channel of like individuality. That's like, do not define me. (laughs) So I'm usually not that into that kind of stuff. And the first time I heard about human design, I was super rejecting of it. Like I was like, no, that's annoying. I'm not into that, you know, and I just wasn't into it at all. And then I had this kind of epiphany one day where I was, I had gotten to this point where I had a really deep awareness of the soul and my soul and sort of the mystical elements of myself but I was still kind of struggling to figure out like my human self and sort of like a lot of the human shit that I just felt and experienced. And I started looking into my human design chart and I basically was like, oh, this is kind of explaining a lot to me about myself. And so I always describe it to people as like, to me, your soul is driving the car, but like, what car are you driving? Like what's going on in your car? What's the make? What's the model? What's the situation? And I think it just helps people really understand themselves. Um, And I, and it gives people a lot of permission to be who they are, which I think is really great. Mm -hmm. For sure. And you really, you were the one who introduced human design to me. I mean, and this was years ago, I think 2019, you, you were like, I don't know, we sat down and you kind of figured out that I was a projector and I was like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, and I was like, you know, I don't think I was like really ready to, I was into so many other things at that time. Like, <laughs> oh my God, another body of work. I can't, you know, you can only learn so much at a time. And then in the past year or so, I really 
been paying attention because of burnout you know it's like as a projector Mm -hmm. it's like I can't be living like you like you do you know and keep going 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 it just does not work that way you know and so I'm like well something's got to give I can't really understand why this is happening I feel all these huge creative outbursts and then I'm like working like crazy and then uh it been I'm like six months off the map you don't you know hear from me on social media I'm like in hiding you know (laughs) so really learning like how do I stay consistent but in a way that actually works for me and so learning about being a projector has been huge I'm like oh my god well I I my system actually can't do that it's not Mm-hmm. made for that it's made for other things that are you know my own brilliance and so yeah it's been really interesting to to pay attention and then live in alignment with it and then mm-hmm. I'm like oh my god I actually get to be even more creative and I open up to more invitation and it's just been such an interesting interesting path and aren't you a self-expressed projector yes so there's that layer too yep. <laughs> It's like even more kind of rare. Mm -hmm. I love that about you though, because how perfect that you're doing this podcast, because it's literally, this is like the love language of a self-expressed projector. Like what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) It's literally like talking about everything, talking it out, hearing what you're talking about. Yeah. It's the whole journey of a self-expressed projector. So I love it. I think it's so perfect. But that makes sense, your story, because I find this a lot with people with human design. You know, like I try to be very careful not to push it on people. And just if people are interested, I talk to them about it because there is a readiness aspect with human design, I think. You know, like if you're not ready for it, it's just like you don't want to hear it. And when you are ready for it, I think it's important to hear about it from the right people. Mm. Like not you're not going to resonate with like everyone's experience. expression of how to talk about human design is my experience. Um, And so I think people choose who they want to hear about it from and, you know, just the energy behind how people are talking about it. And yeah, so I find my favorite thing is actually to know people's design and then be working with them over time Mm -hmm. and be able to point out little things as they're happening because Human design, if you just learn about it in one fell swoop, can feel extremely overwhelming. It's so much information. But if you know someone and you see in their life where they're doing all these little things, you can start to like point it out to them and be like, oh, well, that's this open center or that's this channel or that's, you know, that's this. And then they go, oh, and then it all starts clicking, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a real like, I think having that gentle approach with human design can be a lot more effective. Um, I do give people readings, but I find that usually they're kind of by the end, they're like, ah, you know, and then I'm like, well, let's follow up because. Gentle, (laughs) little drop, dripping it at a time. Yeah. It's, and I like using it, my mentoring clients, I use it the most with because of that, you know, I'm able to then just bring it in when it feels appropriate for them. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Can you just tell us a little bit about yours? Because I just love hearing about it. So, you know, just like hearing everybody's design is so interesting to me because then I also feel like in friendships, I'm also understanding of like, well, what do people need and how do they operate? And then we start to look at the people in our life and be like, oh, this 
you know, maybe we got hurt because they didn't get back to us for 48 hours. And we're like, okay, but this is information about who somebody is. And then it kind of releases this, like, um, like, like you can't really get mad at people for being who they are. If this is just how their system works. And we have mm-hmm. an understanding of that. It's like, our, we up our levels of com- like human compassion because we're like, oh, I get it. You're in your thing and you need this space or you need more connection or, you know, and then we can start to navigate our relationships in a way that actually feels like more aligned for everybody. 100%. And like, I love knowing what the people in my life are, especially if you know people's... Um, authority and you know people's type that can tell you so much about a person Mm -hmm. um so in human design we have like five main auric types um so we said you were a projector that's one um i'm a manifesting generator there's also generators manifestors and reflectors um so these are all they're kind of like the main what does your aura do kind of thing so you as a projector you have a penetrating energy so you're good at really like penetrating in with one person and you're going to see a lot, um, which can freak people out. You know, projectors can fucking percent. And yeah, <laughs> totally. You don't hone the skill. <laughs> uh-huh. And especially if you do things when you're not invited to do them, because that's 100%. the big thing with a projector, right? Like it's learning curve, baby. <laughs> it is. It is. Like you, if you're a projector, really got to wait to be invited because people will just react so badly to you if you don't. <laughs> I can see your soul and everything that needs to be adjusted. And people exactly. don't like it. It is just does not go over well. So anyways. I know. Me. If I had a dime for every projector that came up to me and told me everything I needed to deal with, I would just be a rich person. It's like, okay, thanks. Like it's, <laughs> they're right. But like, if I don't want to hear it, I'm like, out of here. I say, it's almost painful to hold that information back because <laughs> you see, you see, this is the, this is the thinking. Like you see the people that you love, like somebody's in pain and you're like, but I see the thing that needs to shift. And like, but I just yep. want to tell you, cause I want to fix it. And like, I want you to feel better. And yeah, but like human beings, it, it you know, people have to want that. Totally. But this is why projectors are great guides, right? Like when they're given permission, they're just incredible. You know, like they can do so much good, so much guiding of others. Um, But I'm a generator type. I'm a manifesting generator, but that is actually a subtype of the generator type. Most people in the world are generators. It's the biggest group. Um, Very often when people find out they're a generator, they can be kind of like, oh, that's a bummer because like so many people are generators, but actually being a generator is super cool. Like I'm a full like supporter of it being a generator. Like we have a lot of energy. (laughs) I've been jealous of you generators before. (laughs) I can imagine like all of my non-energy types are like, oh my God, if only, you know, but you guys can kind of ride on our energy a little bit, but also like, it's good to know if you're a generator, it's really great to know if the people in your life around you are not generators because we wear you out. And I see it all the time in my projector friends, especially if I'm around them for too long, I start to see their energy go down after a little while. And I'm like, okay, you're done. Nonverbal. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, okay, you're done with me. Like you've, you've ridden my energy long enough. Like I feel it. And so this is totally that thing you're talking about where like, it, it, it does make you a better friend actually, when you know what type you are and what type other people are, because you really do start to see it. 
Um, so another really good thing to know is people's authority. And like, so for example, I'm an emotional authority. So people who are emotionals, we are not here to be in the moment decision makers. We're very slow with things. We take our time. We ride the ups and the downs. We're, we can be kind of wishy-washy seeming, but really it's just because we need to take our time before we are clear. Mm -hmm. And when you know that about yourself, you can be a better communicator about it. So like, I've gotten so much better at telling people, I'll get back to you. Let me let you know in a day or two. You know, I, I just know I'm going to have to take my time already. So I tell people that and then they respond better. But my friends who are other types that are more in the moment, um, you know, they can have a hard time understanding emotionals. They get really like, annoyed with us sometimes, you know, because they're just, they've got answers. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's really nice to start to learn about it, especially maybe like, oh, oh hold on. Sorry. <laughs> I'm getting calls in my computer, which is messing up. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, okay. So, yeah. So people I think you, it's much easier to be a better partner and a better friend when you know these things about people. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, my partner is also an emotional. I know that about him. You know, I know that we're not always on the same part of our emotional wave, but that we both do need time with things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, there's an endless wealth of information that you can get about people that really just makes it easier to manage relationships. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. I love it. And I feel like I'm just at the very tip of the iceberg. You know, there's so, it's like you start to uncover all of these things about yourself and you're like, oh my God, it starts making sense. And then you can kind of just keep going with it. It really feels like an endless amount of information. To it is. It's actually, so. it's a lot. And I always suggest people take it in bite-sized pieces. Like start with what your type is, then go to what your authority is, then go to what your strategy is. Like Take it really slow. Give yourself time to digest each piece um, because otherwise it'll just be too much and know when to drop it. Mm -hmm. So like one of the reasons I don't like heavily advertise myself as a human design person, even though it's very involved in the work that I do, because I think people can get too obsessed with it. You know, like it's so great to know and it's so helpful when it's helpful. But then there are sort of these points where like, like at the end of the day, I do everything by intuitive guidance. And sometimes it's like you have to drop whatever the story is about yourself and just feel like what's the intuitive actual guidance about this, about myself. So. Right. Right. And it's like, just like with anything, like there's so many mm -hmm. different bodies of work and, you know, so many suggestions on how to be or how to live or who you are. And it's like, at the end of the day, the truth is like, nobody knows better than you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's what the whole point I think of human design is supposed to be that it's helping you own who you are. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if it, I always say to people about anything, if it doesn't feel helpful, ignore it. Yep. If it doesn't feel empowering, ignore it. Like literally, like always just trust what feels good. Trust what feels empowering. Totally. Like don't try to fit the square peg in the round hole. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and then also the the other thing that you do I mean you know you're not doing it so much anymore but I love how much you love it and and, and I love doing it with you because remember we had that that women's circle and, and we did all of these things all rolled into one and I think these are three really amazing things that like when you combine them how how powerful they are is like also the cacao aspect of things and like how much you love that and that's a part of your almost probably daily practice and yeah tell the people about the cacao I know it's so funny because like I don't you're right I don't do as much um obvious cacao stuff anymore um but cacao has been like one of my greatest spirit allies on my journey and so even when I get to these points where I'm like maybe I'm not going to do anything with cacao anymore it always kind of like works its way back in to my work um because it's I got into cacao when I lived in Guatemala in 2013 and I basically discovered what like really good cacao does. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know before I thought all chocolate was just chocolate. Mm-hmm. And then I had good cacao and I went, Oh my God, this is amazing. This <laughs> like, is really not just like chocolate. This is a little bit of a different animal. <laughs> totally. And you know, in today's world, there's such a focus on psychedelics and plant medicine. And well, I think, what different people are called to different things, but cacao to me is this representative of a way we can work with plants and plant spirits without it being a psychedelic journey. It's kind of this like middle world where it does give you this heightened awareness and heightened experience. And yet it's not like throwing you through the doors of perception to the other side. It's very, very gentle. It's chocolate, right? Like it's not doing anything too crazy, but it does pop your awareness up. And I see it so much with people. Like I love giving people ceremonial cacao for the first time and then watching what happens with them. Like, I'll, you know, because they'll be like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then suddenly they're like telling you their life story, crying, like pouring everything out. And you're like, and then they're like, I don't know why I'm crying. And I'm like, well, you did drink cacao. I think it's underrated in that way and like mm-hmm. and I, I also love by the way like watching you tone your cows outside like it's so fun always always <laughs> it's my like favorite early afternoon moments where like Aaron tones the cacao and we're, I know and you could like, just chat for hours and it, I just love the ritual of it and me too. It's also been a really powerful healer for me in many moments. And I think, you know, just like with these other things, like it either calls to you at certain times or it doesn't. And, and like listening to it, like I'll go through phases where I am working with it often and then I'm not. And then all of a sudden I'm like hearing, I'm like, it's, it's time, it's time, you know? And um, it's just such a beautiful heart medicine. Yeah, I agree. And I, as a projector, that makes sense to me that like sometimes you'd feel more called to it than other times because it is strong, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's strong. And as someone who would be more prone to burnout um, through the sacral center, it would make sense to me that like it to be more careful with like how it's affecting your body, you know? Totally. And it can, I mean, for me being so sensitive, like highly sensitive, I can take three sips of cacao and feel like I'm on the moon. So yes, it's not a psychedelic, but like it's strong. being, it can really take you places and it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm mindful when I, when I use it as medicine of like, oh, okay. Be like, you know, cause it can totally 
It's stronger than people think it is. People Mm -hmm. underestimate its strength abilities a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, you saw when we did that ceremony together, which was so beautiful, by the way, um, we did this uh, beautiful women's focused ceremony, Mm -hmm. didn't we? Yeah, it was like it was like all feminine, um, feminine energy. And it was so powerful. And people were just having like, crazy breakthroughs and shifts and it's it's just incredible what happens when you sit intentionally with it as medicine what can come through for someone and I think people are often surprised like oh like I've drank ayahuasca and all these things but like this actually just gave me like a very similar experience without having to hallucinate yeah and I love that point about being intentional with it because I think you know ceremonial cacao has gotten to be such a big thing in these like spiritual communities that people are just kind of like sipping and dancing going about their business and and I and I and I think it's important to have reverence for the medicine and and like really sit with yourself and have an intentional moment and you know really be with yourself in it I mean do whatever you want with it but but I you know it is a plant and it is Mm -hmm. you know something that's special and a guide and um, totally it's such an ally for so many people you know like I've I've seen this it's interesting watching it explode because Mm -hmm. when I first got involved with it it wasn't really a thing and so I was kind of a witness to this huge explosion of the cacao world and it's been just so funny to watch it because on the one hand I totally get it like you know we've been coffee consumers mostly, right? For the world over. And that's very head focused, right? That's like high caffeine, very intellectual. And it makes sense to me with like um, the rise of intellectualism and coffee becoming so popular. And then now here comes cacao, heart medicine, much more in the body. You know, it's kind of having this like very beautiful explosion of importance But at the same time with that comes, you know, also like it being a little bit maybe misused sometimes, or like you said, yeah, like people not really being as intentional with it as probably you should be. Um, That being said, I've seen it go too far the other way where like, I've seen people be like, oh, like, I don't know. They just go so far down the like, you must take it seriously train. And I'm like, okay, well, at the end of the day, it's still just chocolate, you know, like, (laughs) like how many times have you eaten a candy bar and not thought twice about it? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like this. So it's really funny. That sort of pendulum that happens of like, or too serious, not serious enough. Anything. Yeah. Hmm. And I do it's love really how the spirit of it really has, I mean, it, it wants to be heard because yeah. it's grew in such a big way. And I believe that, you know, that happens because something is like, like it's that, that potent or powerful and. Um, totally. I mean, I think the plant spirit of cacao literally came in and was like, I'm coming in. We got some work to do, you know, like. There's a reason everyone around the world is obsessed with chocolate. Like it's, it, there is something very uh, potent and magical in it. And, you know, ancient cultures knew that they used cacao for all kinds of things, like not just ceremony, even like they used it as currency, you know, like it was like, it was used in so many ways historically because there was just kind of something very special about it. And, and they knew that. So, so what is your little cacao or whatever your, what does your cacao ritual look like? 
Well, I'm going to be a very bad cacao ritualist right now and say that like, I don't have a huge ritual about it anymore. Um, but that's actually what kind of feels right to me at this point, because I've been drinking it for so many years. So for me, the cacao is a part of me, like at this point, you know, like it's in my spirit, it's in my, in my energy. Um, and so, you know, I do like chopping it up because it comes in whole block form. And I do always feel when I chop it, like there's something kind of sacred about that, you know, like I'm kind of putting in the work to get it. (laughs) It's funny how resistant people are to that. Like, Sometimes I try to give people blocks of cacao that like don't know about cacao and they're like, well, do I have to chop it? I know, like they're horrified that they have to chop it. I know. And I'm like, it's really not that hard. I promise. Like it'll take you like five minutes. It's like perfectly ready to be chopped and it kind of just does like the natural crumble. (laughs) I love when it crumbles. It's so fun. You're like, wow. (laughs) I know. It's like, it just like falls apart in your hands. It's like, yes. Um, But there's kind of this thing when it's new and it needs to be chopped and it's like, you're like putting in the work to like deserve it almost, you know, it's kind of fun. So, you know, I always like enjoy the chopping process and then I blend my cacao now just because I think it tastes better if you blend it. Um, And I do do a tone a lot of the time, Um, but I tone a lot of things. I tone my water, I tone my food, um, depending on how public of a situation I'm in. Although I have been known to publicly tone things, (laughs) it does happen. I'll be in like a, a restaurant, like being like in like the corner, you know, like on my food. But I do it because I've seen what it does. So one of my other obsessions is water. Like I'm very into um the truth of like the intelligence of water, which is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. It does not. I know. Um oh. But so structuring water is very important to me. And um, there's so much science behind that. It would take me an entire hour just to talk about. But it's basically the idea that water is alive and water is conscious and it responds to us. And we are mostly water. We're 99% molecularly water. And so our body is constantly responding with this life consciousness that is water. And to me, water is like the intermediary between spirit and matter. Mm -hmm. And so if you run different water studies, like you can literally put water in a Petri dish and freeze it and it will freeze with pictures and images. And, you know, it, it like talks to you essentially. So I've done tons of experiments where I tone on the water and it goes from being like kind of a haphazard image to being like beautiful, like flowers and like, you know, like twigs and branches. And I mean, it's incredible what happens to water when you put sound on it, when you put intention on it, you know. Um, and so the reason I love that so much is because we know how important these things are, but we sometimes kind of forget just how important they are. And then when you look at what's happening just to water in a Petri dish, just from one tone, it's turning into like this beautiful imagery. I, it's like, oh, yeah, like this is happening in our body all the time, you know, and um, in our everyday life, the molecular structure of water gets disrupted through, you know, chemicals, through filtering, even um, through even just like negative thought patterns and, you know, crappy emotions and, and all kinds of things. So yeah, that's like a whole nother tangent I could go on that I'm very into, but it's like, it is so important actually to even just intend love or intend 
um, connection or give one sound or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Into your water. So, yeah. so for example, I have this mason jar of water right here. Mm-hmm. If it were you, you would maybe like take a second and infuse it with love or mm-hmm. gratitude or like whatever it may be. Yep. Whatever it is you're feeling. And you know, the water's already picking up on everything. So it's probably the whole time you've been holding it in this conversation, been picking up on our energy, been picking up on whatever it is we're doing. It can actually be really interesting to have water sitting there while you're just doing something and then freeze it and see how it freezes. Cause it'll reflect like whatever's going on. Like if there was like a lot of stress maybe coming out, it'll have like, um, like daggery poking, you know, like it'll look stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's very fascinating. It's like a whole study that people it? are doing. Like what was the, what was the spark? <laughs> so I'm an obsessive learner about things. Like it's just something I do, but, um, I basically first learned about structured water because I, what I used to get chronic urinary tract infections actually. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a lot of healing work around that. And one day I felt like I was starting to get one and I was starting to panic a bit and I was chugging a bunch of water because sometimes that'll clear it out. And I was staying at a friend's house and he had this little structuring device and he said, you should use this. It'll structure the water. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. So I poured the water through this little device. And essentially what it does is it just puts the water into a double helix formation. So water in a stream is naturally structured because it's running over rocks and it's running, it's running in nature, it's flowing together and it, it double helixes quite naturally. And so it puts all the water molecules into a formation that's almost gel-like. So this is why when you drink water from a stream, it tastes like softer and a little thicker. It's because it goes into this like gel-like structure, which if you looked at it under a microscope, it would look hexagonal. Like all the molecules are in a hexagonal formation and that holds things better. So it holds, you know, information, it holds um, molecules, it holds everything better. In our bodies also water is structured, but because we filter water so much and we put so many things in water, it often ends up unstructured and scattered in the molecular structure. So anyway, I drank, I chugged a whole bunch of this structured water and immediately I said to him, what is this thing? Cause I could feel it in my body, like working. And I ended up clearing the UTI like overnight. It just totally went away. And I was like, okay, there's something to this, you know, and I'd never felt that before about a purifier or like any other water thing I'd ever come across. And so I started doing a lot of research on structured water. They also call it the fourth phase of water. There's an entire book called The Fourth Phase of Water actually about this. And um I love that you're you read that so I know. Good. I, I know. That. I I do this. Actually, in my human design chart, I'm a one line, which is like they call that the investigator. And it's like people who just like need to know everything about everything. Get like, on something and like go all the way in. <laughs> yes. Like we're a little bit crazy. We're like, oh my God, tell me everything. But it's explained so much to me about healing. And, you know, as a healer, I'm constantly uh, trying to understand different scientific studies and approaches and things that are going on to explain healing work better. And water has given me so much insight into understanding healing at a deeper level. A lot of times when I tone, I sense 
the fluids in people's bodies moving. And when fluids stagnate, disease happens. And when fluids are not transporting well across cell membranes, disease happens. So there's a lot of intelligence in understanding how water works in the body and getting it into proper molecular formation. And there's been so many studies that sound and ultraviolet light structure water really, really well. So, so you're just coming at it from all angles. I am (laughs) (laughs) sorry to go down that crazy water tangent, but (laughs) I'm obsessed with it. I love it. And it's so fascinating to me because I mean, it's just not something that I know that much about yet. (laughs) It'll, it'll be a whole new obsession. Um, I'll send you some resources on it. Maybe we can link some resources um, (laughs) about learning more about water, but it really is just water is life. Water is one of our greatest um, links to life. And, you know, the definition of something that is sacred is that which is essential for life. And water is the roots. Water is the roots. So our water is very important, how we treat it in our bodies, how we treat it in the world, you know? Um, so I think, I think it's very helpful to remember the power that we have over the health of our bodies over um, that connection to life within our bodies through the water. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. I think that's You're really- welcome. Oh, it's such interesting information. And so I love that. Yeah. I, I try to approach these things from like, I like get very into studying quantum physics. I get very into studying water. I get very into you know, um, studying sound science. There's so much good sound science out there. Um, the science of being hypersensitive, like there's actually just so much actual scientific information out there these days, um, that's starting to crack open, um, deeper understandings and different lenses on indigenous approaches, really, because all these things really have been around for ages. Yeah. And it just amazes me how like, like, okay, so for example, I recently took like a a little course on um, trauma and somatics, and it was a very psychological based approach, but I kept finding it so fascinating that through all of these like, you know, intellectual thinkers who were studying psychological approaches, the solutions everyone kept coming back to time and time again were approaches that have been used by healers and indigenous people forever. (laughs) You know, like, it just amazes me. I'm like, after all this understanding and all this study, which is so cool and so interesting, we still come back time and time again to sound being the healer, breathing being the healer, meditation, you know, silence, interconnection. It's like, yeah, this is the stuff that people have been doing for centuries. (laughs) <laughs> I think that the human mind really like so often wants to be able to make sense of things. Mm-hmm. So it's incredible that now we have all of this science that backs all of these things that people have maybe poo pooed because they're a little too out there. Well, and actually maybe they're not so much. Totally. And for me, it's just, I think we have to remember to give credit, you know, where credit is due. And that's the thing that I do get sometimes frustrated about, like um, people being like, so amazed by polyvagal theory, which 
is very interesting. Like it's fascinating. It's so interesting. It's the study of the vagus nerve. It's um, explaining so much about trauma. It's explaining so much about um, trauma states. But again, the solution they've come up with with polyvagal theory is a sound meditation, you know? And I'm just kind of like, okay, can we also give credit where credit is due that this has been going on for a very long time, (laughs) you know? But like you said, I also am someone who's fascinated by lenses. I love learning about things from the different angles and the different lenses and the psychological lens, the science lens, the mental lens. They are so interesting and they do help people digest information. So it's all important. Got that, people? All important. (laughs) On that note, as we come to a close want to tell all the people where they can find you and and we'll add links to this to um the show notes and also let us know like anything you've got coming up that you're working on yeah well I think the best ways to follow me one my newsletter is probably the best way and if you sign up for my newsletter you do get a frequency healing meditation so that you can experiment with it and sit with it and feel it for yourself um, and so that's probably the best way to stay in touch with me, but I am also on Instagram, Aaron Eber. Um, I'm on TikTok, frequency portal. Um, yeah, you're on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> I am. I, I love TikTok. Oh my gosh. So you dancing away to Disney tunes on TikTok. <laughs> no, TikTok is actually amazing. I learned so much on TikTok. Like it's incredible. Right. Well, I don't have TikTok, but I might have to download it just to watch your videos. It's actually like a little too addicting. That's my only complaint about TikTok. It's like way too addicting, but it's, it's great. Um, and then I, I have ongoing offerings, um, where I do like a monthly frequency call. That's a group frequency transmission. Um, that's like my most accessible offer for sure. Um, and then I also run different courses and workshops, on all different topics because I just love to have variety. I cannot niche down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm also um, give ongoing sessions, personal sessions, one-on-one sessions and mentoring, which is my um, most consistent way to work with me. So amazing. Well, you yeah. all be able to see that in the show notes. And I just feel so grateful that you said yes to coming on today and sharing your mm-hmm. magic with everyone. And I just adore you. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you so much, Meredith. Honestly, I'm so, so happy to be on this. This is just like too much fun. <laughs> you're doing such a great job. I'm so glad that you're creating this podcast. We're doing the things. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I will see you next time on Serving Love. Thank you for listening to Serving Love Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. You can find me on social media as Meredith Lynn. Until next time, I wish you lots of love.